Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Fantasy Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we have plenty to get into this Monday, June 15th. Guys, first and foremost, how was your weekend? Jake, I will start with you. Uh, it was nice. It wasn't last weekend where it was 95 and beautiful. It was 109. Uh, my body must have acclimated okay because it wasn't <laughs> that bad. But got a little sun, maybe a little too much, but I had a good weekend. How about you guys? Yeah, it was a good weekend. Uh, I, I enjoyed myself. There's a limited amount of things you can do at the moment um, that you feel comfortable doing. Uh, but getting outside a little bit and as long as you're, you know, got your mask on, kind of avoiding the crowds, you know, it's important to kind of get outside of the four walls of our apartments and our houses for right now, just because it's been, I mean, we're, we're coming up over three months now um, yeah. since the NBA shut down. And that's kind of where uh, at least us as sports fans kind of draw that line when things really kind of changed. Uh, Cause shortly after that, the New York city shut down all other stuff. So uh, it's important to kind of get out there and, you know, if we wear your mask, avoid, avoid these big crowds, like you're seeing, you know, on social media, but get out there and do something and, bask under the sun a little bit uh even even though good it's 109 you. it's you know you got to get out from under those fluorescent lights at some point yeah it's good what was great pace sorry to cut you off yeah, go ahead. golf and nascar man like watching some real drama the yeah golf for sure down to a playoff and all this i mean the young guys were out they didn't miss a beat the great thing about golf is it doesn't matter on tv if there's any fans or not like they did a great job with the broadcast not showing too many wide angles and all that but there's plenty of drama and it was real sports whether you're a golf fan or not like you were talking about watching bundesliga not too long ago I personally love soccer, so I can do that. But it was weird seeing the crowd and the fake noise. Golf was just golf, but it was man, it was yeah. awesome. And then NASCAR trying with with all the uh, all the rain delays and stuff in Miami. But it was awesome to have something on TV. To go, oh yeah, there's a golf tournament on. Let me let me put this on. I was gonna say we had the golf tournament on in Sedona this weekend, just because it was uh, it's amazing how much more interested everybody is was in golf. Uh, a random golf tournament, not the not the Masters, not not a big major weekend that everybody's kind of tuned into, and no Tiger. So it was uh, it was definitely fun to see just sporting sporting events live uh, and and hearing about the NBA and hearing about everything that's happening. And obviously good transition for us to talk about, obviously the NFL, some of the coaches reporting back to the facilities this morning. If you haven't seen Papa Bruce's outfit as he's walking into Tampa today, go check it out. I got a whole thread inside the, t- the TDN Slack channel about uh, how swagged out Coach Arians looks this morning walking into the Tampa Bay facilities. Just, just looks good. Mask. Yeah, and exactly. Familyfoundation.org. Get your masks. I was hoping that you would jump in with a nice plug there. Um, but yeah, support the Arians Family Foundation. There's some really cool. You guys can uh, support the foundation by getting a mask and, and ordering that. So pretty easy. All link 
I'll link to it at the end of the podcast. So you guys, when you guys check out the podcast today, I'll, I'll put it on Twitter so that way you guys can find them. But uh, we want to talk about the fact that we've got some positive COVID tests happening in the NFL, Cowboys and Texans. And Jake, you kind of have a really, I don't say it's, it's not like a monumental idea. It's just a smart idea. And, and it seems very logical. Uh, but Based off of how everything has gone in 2020, it's been like the most illogical year possible. So if we could talk about what maybe the NFL can do to make sure that by the time we get to, you know, basically six weeks from now, they can start training camp on time. Yeah. So right now there's nothing in place to test every player in the NFL. So right now, if you walk into training camp and you test positive, you have a two-week mandatory quarantine away from everybody. So if you're a rookie, free agent, you're trying to learn these offenses, defenses, and you've already missed an entire offseason, there's no way you're going to be ready for training camp. Like you pull a hamstring, you're still in meetings. So you walk in because a lot of people feel fine, right? Uh, and then there's a 26% or it maybe it's down to 20, but it was 26% false negative with the tests. So if it's a negative test, but you feel fine, what do you do? Just talking to my dad about this, he's like, we the NFL should send out a test now to every player in the NFL, home test. Send it in, whatever it is. If you test positive, you have a chance to quarantine now, and you're good to go. It's almost like we want as many guys to test positive as possible, but feel okay, right? We don't want anybody getting sick or feeling bad or having any long-term ramifications. But you're better off than showing up blind in training camp and missing two whole weeks. Uh, it's going to be scary, man. I mean, this stuff's not going away. Florida reported like their, their highest two days – Arizona's booming again. Arizona finally has enough tests, but it's still moving around. It's not going away. As Jamie said, wear your mask. I mean, we're not a social getting into social issues on this show, but we want football. And this is a this is a football issue because if people aren't still social distancing, wearing masks, like it, we're not going to have it. New Zealand had a full rugby match in front of full fans this weekend because they haven't had any positive tests in three weeks, and they opened it up. And man, it was awesome just to see the highlights of of that. We want that this fall, uh, but we're in danger of. Who knows what's going to happen with how many fans. And if the players start testing positive when they show up, this, the PR is going to be bad enough. But of they course. should have tested all of them now with six weeks to be able to self-quarantine at home, uh, whatever else you need to do. But the NFL, man, you're, yeah, you're missing out on money, but you got plenty of money to buy tests and send to every player in the NFL. Yeah, Jake, I'm glad you brought up uh, watching New Zealand because it's a, a testament to obviously what was done right and what was done very strict and handled by people, right? Because I hear from a lot of fans, you know, and there's, it's like Jake said, we're not going to get into all the social issues and everything like that, but strictly related to football. If you want football back, the best thing that you can do is social distance and wear your mask. Because the less people that have it, the more opportunity there is for sports to come back. Period. End of sentence. So if you're the, one of those people that is really like ourselves, right? Like all three people on this podcast, we love football. We want football badly, desperately. If we don't do practice what we preach, then then what are we doing, right? Because if you, if you want sports back, you just got to follow the rules, man. And it's not just football. It's everything. It's baseball and hockey and, and NBA. I mean, if a bunch of players are testing positive, all of a sudden it's it's going to be really hard to play. So hopefully everybody's kind of listening and paying attention because these are little things that you can do to follow. It's not dramatic changes to your overall life. If you go uh, back to when the NBA suspended the season and a couple guys tested positive on the Utah Jazz, I believe, when it first yep. got started, how big of a deal that was. And we didn't know anything about this disease at that point. We thought those guys' lives were in danger, and, and some people are. I'm not trying to minimize that part. But – we haven't dealt with that in football yet. If we wait till training camp starts, the excitement of training camp and teams reporting, 
it's going to be a giant deal. And they're still going to be, it's still going to happen. There's still going to be guys that show up. I think we could limit that now if we tested everybody in the league. I think that should absolutely be done with six weeks to go. Yeah, I kind of feel like, you know, you brought up the, the New Zealand rugby game. I kind of feel like this, the SpongeBob meme where Squidward's looking out the window and SpongeBob and Patrick are just dancing in the field and we're just kind of sitting in their houses waiting. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, Ezekiel Elliott was one of the players that came, uh, was reportedly uh, tested positive for it. And, you know, to Jake's point about getting some of these tests and things done out of the way now, we talked about this way back when early on the show about how every year we talk about teams that have a flu issue. And I'm not comparing this to the flu. I'm just saying comparing this to when the flu goes through a locker room and how quickly how quickly it spreads inside an NFL or any sort of athletic locker room. You don't want to avoid that happening here because if this starts to become a widespread problem again for athletes, they're going to shut sports down for, for you know sure. an indiscernible amount of time. So getting tested now, getting this process going like Jake is saying, and quarantining players that are testing positive ahead of coming in because the, the, by the time you come into camp and test positive, then there's going to be the thought that other players have been infected by you being there in the meantime. And, and, and we might not know if that's one other player, zero other players, or 10 other players. So anything that you can do to try to mitigate that risk now, you have to. But this is definitely something that we're going to have to deal with as football fans and as fantasy football players when we're talking about drafting all, all summer long and into the fall. Yeah, the, the fantasy aspect is obviously going to be a huge aspect of it, Jamie, because you're if you have a player that is your, let's say it's Patrick Mahomes, right? And he's your starting quarterback and he's got to sit for two games because he tests. I mean, that's this is going to play a factor all year long. We're going to be talking about this as much as people want it to just disappear and go away. That's not reality, everybody. I mean, that's it's not just something that we can wish away until we get to a point at which we have a vaccine and then move forward. But I mean, that's, that's not going to be for a little while. And, and even then when you get a vaccine, a lot of people don't want to take a vaccine. So that it's like, it, it, it's, it's going to be one of those things we continue to talk about nonstop from now until next year when we're even talking about the Super Bowl. To your point page, one of the things that came up, my dad was on Chris Long's podcast last week and Chris asked him a question and he started the question by like, this, this sounds crazy. And he said, well, maybe it's not crazy, but let me get your take on it. Coach. I've heard rumors of coaches having a third string quarterback, not around the team that they already know the offense. And my dad said it's something he's literally contemplating thinking about because if, if Brady gets COVID and whether he feels completely fine or not, he's a mandatory quarantine for two weeks. Now at the end of that two weeks, are you allowed to just come back and play or do you have to have a negative test and a positive antibody test? And like, it could be easily three or four. And it'd be the first time in the history of the NFL that a guy feels completely fine <laughs> and there's literally nothing, but he can't play. We're holding him out. So it say he's, he's positive. Your quarterback room is very likely positive. So like keeping a player, it, it'll basically, it'll save you from ever having to sign a quarterback off the street that doesn't know your offense, the nuances of your offense to be able to come in and play. So it's something we're going to be dealing with, but it's, I, it'll be really interesting to see how some of these coaches and teams look at it. Some of them don't have a third string quarterback. So you can't some of them have a first string quarterback. <laughs> True. But how do you, how do you deal with, with that? It's something we're going to be looking at, especially we're talking about fantasy, man. You're talking about that's a minimum two games. It could easily be you test a positive on a Friday and your two week quarantine is up then two weeks Saturday. Are you allowed to play Sunday? You haven't been around your teammates in two weeks. You don't even like, do you know the game plan. Like it's it's going to be really really interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting point because I I think there's obviously some strategy involved there and the ability to have a third string quarterback one that knows your offense well enough. But 
that all of a sudden that becomes very interesting to me. I think that's, that's probably something that maybe, uh, maybe a significant amount of the league decides to do because obviously you can't not play without a quarterback. So it's the, it's, it's going to be a position that they might actually have to think about more long-term going into the season. A lot, a lot of question marks, lots of things we're going to have to discuss guys. Um, unfortunately, it's just, it's our new reality, right? This is not something that's, Trust me, I'm, if we could all uh, blink and make it go away, we all would. Uh, but that's that's not that is not what we are dealing with right now. So let's transition here. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers' fantasy value, uh, some betting props. We've been getting into a lot of the individual betting props for uh, players, specifically a lot of the guys we're very interested in from a fantasy perspective. Uh, Jamie's breaking them down in full detail on the DraftNetwork.com. You guys should definitely check all those out. And then we're hitting the high notes here on the podcast. So. Aaron Rodgers is obviously uh, one of the more talked about athletes of the offseason for a lot of reasons, but mostly because Green Bay decided to jump up in the draft and draft another quarterback and getting Jordan Love. So this was a quarterback last year that obviously the team did well. He was third, the team won 13 games, but Aaron Rodgers from a fantasy perspective was not where we've seen him a a lot of years. Um, And obviously the offensive weapons uh, were talked about at nauseum last year, especially with Devontae Adams going down and then them not addressing it this off season. So Jamie, what's your comfort level with Aaron Rodgers this year? Because the name value screams top three, but he's not really that guy anymore. Yeah, but he's also not going at that price. And, and I think we've talked about this. We've alluded to this on the show before, and we'll go in depth. You know, Next week, here's the little teaser we've been teasing for a couple of weeks now. Next week, my QB rankings, uh, and, and along with some others, we'll break down what the schedule looks like. But we'll come out next week. And But you'll see, if you just look at right now at just current ADP, he's going in the, you know, the bottom part of QB1 range. So you're not paying the typical Aaron Rodgers fantasy price for him. And, you know, in this article for the draftnetwork.com, you know, I, I looked at right now his posted totals right about 3,900 yards and 26 and a half touchdowns. Like that, that's where he's at right now. And looking at his seasons and looking at, you know, he's his yards per attempt over the last five seasons, the amount of work he's getting, I don't see any reason to believe he isn't going to be above 4,000 yards again. Like I think I, I have him down here for, let me double check where I have him. I have him down for 4,189 passing yards this year. Um, I, I know everybody talks about some of the injury history, but the reality is it's two seasons. It's it's those two those two collarbone injuries. Otherwise, he's missed exactly one game due to injury as a starter every other season since he took over for Brett Favre. So I think it's a little bit unfair. There, there's some unfair injury risk that gets baked into Aaron Rodgers' fantasy price and the way we discuss him that I don't think should be there. But I look, the way I look at it is – his receiving weapons this year aren't any worse than they were last year. They weren't great last year, don't get me wrong, but they didn't downgrade because it. what did they lose? They lost Geronimo Allison. He never stepped up last year, and there's a chance that if healthy, Devin Funches is going to be – I mean, he doesn't have to do much to be better than Geronimo Allison was last year, but that he could be at least useful for them. Um, you know, Maybe they get something out of the combination of, of second-year Sternberger and Mercedes Lewis at, at tight ends, but they weren't getting much out of Jimmy Graham last year. So the weapons around him really haven't depreciated from last year. So I don't see this regression in his statistical output that people are are projecting from him from last year. Yes, I wish they would have added somebody. Yes, adding Jordan Love and and A.J. Dillon aren't going to do anything for Aaron Rodgers next year. But he still has Devontae Adams, hopefully healthy for a full season. He still has Aaron Jones progressing in that offense. Jamal Williams is a perfectly capable backup that can catch passes out of the backfield. I, I don't see them having this precipitous fall for him. I still think he's uh, above 40 
100 passing yards again. Uh, and I think touchdowns are right there, 26, 27. I think I, I literally came out in my projections at tw- exactly 26 and a half. Um, so that's very sharp on that spot. But that can, that's a QB1 fantasy season. And I, 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 just, I don't know why everybody seems to be running away from him. The one thing I learned last year was value, value, value. I went into all my drafts like that, had a really successful season doing that. So if you're telling me Aaron Rodgers is not going to be back where we're all telling everybody to pick their quarterbacks and nothing before round eight, I'm all in. It still goes through him. I don't care who they draft. I don't care that they had a horrendously bad draft and gave him <laughs> no help. Uh, if Devontae Adams is healthy for the whole year, Lazard came on. I, I really liked him at the end, a big body guy. Funches, well-rounded, can't separate, but he's that he's almost like uh, Eric Ebron outplaying receiver that's now in Pittsburgh, uh, but he's going to fit in. He's a pro. Him and Aaron Rodgers get any chemistry at all. I like that. Aaron Jones became a weapon out of the backfield late. I mean, think about his fantasy value late in the season. He was phenomenal catching it. Jamal Williams still going to play on third down because he's still the pass, best pass blocker they have. Uh, blitz pickup guy. He catches it great. I, it still goes to Aaron Rodgers. So if you're telling me I can, I don't have to draft him in the fourth or fifth round where you've had to do in years past, I'm all in. Uh, I agree with Jamie. Definitely QB1 and definitely somebody I'm still going to be looking at taking shares of. I mean, the Vikings defense is down. Detroit sucks. Chicago's is great. They're always great. Um, I, I, I love it. I guess it's, I'm, I'm super high on Ben Roethlisberger. So before we get into our quarterback show next week, I think he's going to be closer to 5,000, if not over 5,000. I think it's all going to go through him. So if I'm, if I'm close in that same range with those guys, I'm going to go with Ben. Uh, but Aaron, if you're telling me Aaron's in that conversation where you were taking Ben and Rivers and some of these guys before, hell yeah, I'm looking at that. I think I'm, I'm all in on that. I'm not looking at anything higher than that. But if you're getting value on Aaron Rodgers, it's the first time in your career you've got that. Yeah, and one thing you'll see next week to tease my QB rankings is you're going to see a lot of names that you've been used to seeing go in the top five that are now going just inside the top ten, and you're going you're going to sit back and as we tell you every year, wait on quarterbacks. You're really going to see it this year when you see some of the names that I have ranked, let's say between like quarterback seven and quarterback eleven. You're going to be shocked by some of those names, but right now in just straight up ADP, Rodgers is going anywhere between depending on what league you're playing on QB nine and QB twelve uh, in the seventh or eighth round. I mean, that, that is a tremendous value. And again, it goes back to more of saying why as much as I love Mahomes and as much as I love Lamar Jackson, I can't pay the current right now second round price. End of the second round is where those guys are going. I can't pay that price for a quarterback when I can get this value late. And especially now this year where, again, I think you have, I don't know how we quantify it, but we have to approach this draft a little differently in terms of protecting the top stars on our fantasy roster because of not only the soft tissue injuries that we talked about on last week's episodes, but the stuff we just talked about to open this show. What happens if a quarterback tests positive that you draft and they have to be out for, even if it's minimum two weeks, let's say it's just straight 14 days. Well, two weeks in the middle of fantasy season, maybe there's six teams on by that week. You're going to be really thin looking at quarterbacks off the waiver wire. And, you know, there's still only a handful of really solid backups that you'd be like, okay, I'll just grab their, their backup quarterback and throw them right in in that game. So it's something you have to consider spending a second round value on, on, on a Mahomes and Lamar Jackson as great as they are. I just can't stomach that when I can get the Aaron Rodgers of the world, the Carson Wentz's of the world, the Ben Roethlisberger's of the world in like the rounds eight, round nine, round 10. I just, I just have to take that value over anything else. All three of those guys you mentioned, I think are going to be guys that the three of us are going to target in fantasy drafts, right? I, I think those are, those are, if you can get Aaron Rodgers, a guy who, 
yeah, in years past is going at the end of round one, early round two as a fantasy quarterback. I think, yes, I understand uh, last season, you know, wasn't uh, a, where he ends up being the first overall quarterback. And I think those those times are done. He's not going to compete with Mahomes and, and even Lamar Jackson for total points. But we tell you all the time, the difference between the first guy and the guy that's eighth, ninth, tenth, in quarterbacks, it's not that much on a week-to-week basis. It really isn't. And the difference between the guy that you get from a running back and a wide receiver perspective, that's 1 and 10, is dramatic. It's dramatic, the difference between the point the point spread when you look at when you look at what those guys can deliver on. So, hey, what round did you get Russell Wilson in last year in our 14-team TDN league? I think it was 8. Yeah. And you might not do that this year, but a 14-team league in round 8, I paid off pretty damn good. I yeah, mean, it did. Yeah, I waited. I mean, look, I'm, not, I'm not shying away from Rivers and Brady either. Nope. Late. I mean, even if they're your second quarterback, you're going to take. I mean, Jamie just talked me into drafting two. I've gone back and forth in you know, the last, last couple of years on different drafts, whether I'm one quarterback on that team and just let it ride for a week on a, on a bye. But if you're telling me I'm going to get Rodgers or Roethlisberger in eight and maybe Brady and Rivers in 10 or 11 as a backup, I'm all in on that. This is the year where I feel like I have to have two. Like I have to have two because of all, because of the injuries, because I I totally understand. And I'm usually against that. I'm usually like, don't, don't do it. Just stream a quarterback for one week when you, I usually never, never do that. But with all the uncertainty and all the variables going into this year, this is probably the year where I go, yeah, I'm going to have two quarterbacks on my roster at coming off the draft. And I think maybe collectively as like a TD fantasy, TDN fantasy podcast, the collective here, pitch your commissioners to add a couple extra bench spots for this season yep. if you can. Uh, just given the uncertainty, given this is going to be, uh, no matter what happens, it's going to be a season unlike we've ever seen before for a number of different reasons. Even if it's just because of what happens leading into it, even if nothing bad or moderately bad happens during the season, which we hope it doesn't happen, or with certain players or with stars on your fantasy team. Adding more bench spots, I think, is a really smart move. I think in general, I think we should be leaning towards that, and you should allow that your fantasy managers that do more research that are finding some of these guys that are that are sleepers and, and deep players be like, well, I can't pick them because I only have three or four bench spots uh, you know, on your team because I have seen a lot of leagues have like four bench spots, which I think is crazy. Um, add a couple more this year. Allow your teams to, to grab that second quarterback. Allow your teams to, to grab these either handcuff running backs or other high upside guys to kind of counteract for all the concerns that we have. And, you know, something to mention, and I will have my actual statistical projections up for my top 35 quarterbacks on, uh, on TDN Premium uh, in a couple of weeks. But just for a little sneak peek of that, right now I have a – it's not nothing, but it's a only a one point per game difference between my QB4 and my QB10 in terms of season total right now. So, yes, there's value in getting that. One point a game is not nothing. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when you're talking about value, there's a lot of value. Like, as you're going to see, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are clumped right in that, like, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, a lot of veterans, a lot of high upside guys, you know. Just wait on quarterbacks this year. I think you'll be happier. That's you're really interesting. That's really <laughs> interesting, Jamie. One Use point Mahomes and, and Lamar and DFS. You know, I get it. But, like, don't don't invest a top 20 draft pick in, in those guys. Eve's great as they are. I just can't stomach that kind of a price. Yeah, I love the note on getting your commissioners. Start 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 writing up those notes now, people, because you're going to want those extra bench spots. And it's going to be you're where everybody wants it. It's not something that's going to help one person. It's going to help the whole league. 
So just 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 write your commissioner and feel free to tweet us if you're having a tough time with your commissioner. Maybe we can have them on and really pick them apart on the podcast one one week and make sure that the, all the commissioners are abiding by the rules to make sure that uh, everybody has a good fantasy experience this this upcoming year. All right. Jamie also wrote a couple of good things that we're going to get into about uh, sophomore running backs and sophomore tight ends. So we're going to start with the running backs. There's a little bit more to get into here because we've got more fantasy relevance here. So, Jamie, I want to start off here with the the two stars you have identified. Right. And that's Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders. Uh, Not a big surprise here. Running back nine, running back 12 and ADP. What's your overall trajectory for for these two guys, and and do you agree with that ADP? Do you like Jacobs over Sanders this year? Uh, I do slightly. Look, I like both their ADPs where where they are. Um, You know, you're going to have to pay full price for these guys, but so that's what you have to do when you have star players now. Uh, You know, Josh Jacobs was really, really impressive last year, and is even more impressive by and we keep I keep mentioning it on the show because I think it's important playing through a broken shoulder. At times, I mean, I I think people keep forgetting that, and this goes into a conversation we'll have at some point about Matthew Stafford playing through a broken back for a year and a half too. But playing through those injuries are something that, at the time when we don't know about, but in retrospect, we go, "Wow, this is what he was able to do." Hurt now, what is he going to be able to do? Healthy. We saw improvements on that offensive line for the Raiders last year. They add Henry Ruggs. I, I, I'm actually pretty bullish on that offense as a whole. Uh, and what they can do now with a, a healthier Tyrell Williams coming off the foot injury. You're going to have uh, Henry Ruggs coming in there. Hopefully, it doesn't sound like his injury from whatever whatever the heck that happened a couple weeks ago, doesn't, or moving or whatever, uh, isn't going to be something that's affecting much. You've got Waller. You've got Renfro. This offense has a lot of pieces now, and they're very efficient, but it all runs through Josh Jacobs, who showed right away you can handle a heavy workload to a high level of success. Uh, I'm really excited uh, to see what he what he's able to do this year. I'd like to see him a little bit more involved in the passing game in year two. That's going to be the biggest key if he's going to live up to top 10 running back expectations. He had a very similar pattern in Alabama, though, like where he wasn't wasn't heavily involved and then started to get a little bit more involved in the passing game in college. I want to see if that happens this year, but I'm a little concerned. They did bring back Jalen Richard. They have, uh, you know, Lynn Bowden. You know, there, there are a few things that are going to a little concern me that maybe those extra looks that could have gone his way are now going to go elsewhere, but... I think he's going to be worth the RB1 price. And Sanders is going to – look, Sanders was great last year when Howard was out. He's not going to produce over 16 games what he did in that little five- or six-game stretch. But he's going to be the guy there. He's going to get a lot of opportunities. He's going to catch the ball. Uh, he's he's worth it. Right, He's right now going right in the like end of round two, early round three. I take a chance at him in that spot. I love it. Miles Sanders, they're going to throw the hell out of it in Philly. Everything goes through Carson Wentz there. Where then the Raiders, everything is going through Josh Jacobs. I expect him to be more heavily involved in the passing game, Jamie. That's the one thing that scares me is Rashard's back, but Washington's gone. So if, if Josh is having a big game and, and they're going through him, I, I can't imagine taking him out. He might take him out on two-minute, third down. He might not play in the shotgun and running back, but they're still going to get some screen pass. I think they're going to try to get him the ball in more unique ways. Uh, Miles Sanders is, to me – a little bit scary because I'm not sure he can carry the workload, but they're going to throw it a ton. He's the opposite of what I just talked about. He plays in the shotgun. So if they're in two minute, uh, they're in a hurry up. He's out there. Uh, so I think his catchability could be a lot higher uh, than Josh Jacobs, which makes them a little bit different there. I may shy away from Sanders that high. I mean, if he slips an early third, then absolutely uh, I would look at it. But I'm just a little bit worried about the workload if, if, if they're going to try to run it a lot. I expect him to throw the hell out of it. Though. That's why I like Carson Wentz so much. Jamie, the next kind of 
category here you have listed is productive, right? A lot of excitement last year around David Montgomery, who everybody expected to kind of have a much bigger role in that Chicago Bears offense. And then Devin Singletary for the Buffalo Bills. They're RB22 and ADP at 24. Obviously different reasons to be hesitant with either one of them. Montgomery coming off what I would say uh, an overall disappointing season for where a lot of people had him, right? Um, mostly not his fault, not his fault, right? I should say disappointing because of the lack of usage um, in that Chicago Bears offense. And then with Devin Singletary, the uh, yes, Frank Gore not being there, but they draft rookie Zach Moss. You expect him to play a part in that offense. So, Jamie, those two are really closely ranked. Who has more upside of these two? Well, Montgomery has more upside. I- I'm fading Singletary completely this year where he's going. And it's, I-, I think Buffalo, and we'll get into him in a second, but I think Buffalo is really going to make a concerted effort to give Zach Moss the ball, particularly in the red zone, and basically allow him to take over the role Frank Gore played last year, just maybe be able to do a little bit more effectively with younger, fresher legs. But, you know, with David Montgomery, he- he's an interesting guy where he definitely needed to be used more. And we talked about this on the show, and it was talked about ad nauseum in the Chicago market early in the season about why aren't we rushing this guy more? The thing with him is the feeling I get for this year. And for those that have been playing fantasy for a while, you'll understand what I'm saying. I get the Lamar Miller feeling from him where you're going to look up at the end of the season. He's going to be right around RB 20, but you're never going to feel like he won you any specific week. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with getting that production, but that, that you're, you know, right now he's going as the RB 24, I think that he's probably, you know, that's maybe slightly too low, but right about where he should be going. But that's where he's going to be. Like, that's kind of where I figure. Until I see him get consistent usage, sure, he has some upside of, okay, we're just going to run through him. But I have a lot of concerns about that Chicago Bears offense for obvious reasons. You know, as good as that defense is, at some point, they're going to give up some points. And they're going to have to have this offense throw the ball a little bit. And then Montgomery's not going to be on the field as much. Uh, I mean, Tariq Cohen had a career high, somehow had a career high in targets last year, even though it didn't feel like it. Uh, He's still going to be heavily involved. So uh, to me, I think you're going to look up at the end of the year and in totality, Montgomery's going to give you 16 games of top 20 RB football, but it's not going to blow you away. And that's kind of what Lamar Miller did for a few years there. We looked up at the end of the year and, oh yeah, he was an RB2 all year, but just didn't really excite you that much. That's kind of the feeling I have with Montgomery. Season long value, Montgomery. Week to week, I think Singletary is still going to spike. Uh, I mean, he had some monster games last year where they threw it and he took it 80 to the house. The Josh Allen factor of being able to move around and stuff breaks down and he hits him on a little dump and he takes it for 40 yards. I think he's going to have maybe more upside week to week, depending on the week, but you never know when that's going to be. Where, as Jamie said, Montgomery, I think, is going to be really solid throughout the year. But what is if Nick Foles is the quarterback, what does he do best? It's RPOs. I don't know that that fits David Montgomery's style at all. He is more a quarterback under center, hand it off, be a traditional running back. For some reason, Chicago does not want to do that. They, it's not their thing. So it still scares me, man. I don't I don't know. If I get the right value on Montgomery, I love the player. I just don't know about the usage. Singletary at the right value later on, I, it's too high for me there, but taking a flyer on him where you might want to play him one week or you're, you're, you got to – he's one of those guys I might look at as that bench stuff. We're talking about having a little extra bench, a little bit deeper. Just because he might hit a flyer one week and have a monster game, he might have he might get killed too and have a very small game. I'm I'm scared of this David Montgomery thing. He should be an absolute beast in fantasy. He should be used like the workhorse that he is. He's not going to be in Chicago. 
Yeah, he's got he's got high upside, right? If Chicago would just do what what they usually do, which is in traditionally in years past, right, where you think about all the running backs over time that have played such a big part in this offense before Matt Nagy, right? So now with Matt Nagy, this has been something we've called for on this show. I've called for it as a Bears fan for a long time. Is just run the damn ball, and Montgomery is a guy who can be. The workhorse back. They just don't feature him like that in that offense, or at least they didn't last season. So is there a potential that we see him used more this year? Yes, of course. But I am hesitant to say that because we did not see it through the entire season last year. So I would not bank on that being something that happens this year. Yes, higher upside in the fact that I think he can he can be that guy. I just don't think we're – I'm with you, Jamie. When you said Lamar Miller, I started kind of giggling to myself because it's – yeah, that's kind of exactly how I anticipate it being, where he's going to be good enough that you're going to look back and go, yeah, he had a pretty good season, but it's not going to feel like it. You're just going to go, yeah, yeah it, was, it was okay. There's value in playing all, I guess in this case, 15 fantasy games. Yes. So th- there is something to be said for that. But like last year, for example, Montgomery was the RB25 in overall points, but on a per-game basis of running backs that played, I believe, at least 10 games – he was the RB 33. Yeah. So on a weekly basis, you were getting a flex, a mid ish to low level flex play, but you got it every single week, you know, on average. So, I mean, that's kind of where I, I would rather have both these guys as a flex play. You know, they can spike certain weeks, but to me to rely on them as an RB two, I'd rather take a guy that has a little bit more upside, maybe with a little bit more injury risk and saying, look, I'd rather get somebody that's going to give me top 20 production the week he does play. And then I'll figure out what I do on the one or two weeks where he doesn't. But it's kind of where he's going to be. Like, I, I hope they use him more, but I don't see any reason why they will. Like, the way this offense is structured, um, is is not any is, is not conducive to what, like Jake said, not conducive to what Montgomery does best. So, predicting him to do anything more than what he did last year or anything significantly more, I, I think you're asking a lot. Yeah, we didn't even mention the the offensive line issues. That's- and I still, if I'm, if I'm visualizing this offense with Nick Foles at the helm, I see Tariq Cohen next to him in the shotgun. I agree. Not David Montgomery. A lot, right? It's I don't. And Nick Foles, if you go back to when he's been successful, it's in the shotgun running RPOs. Uh, that's what Nagy wants to do. And he's probably more successful at doing it quick than Trubisky. I just can't picture Montgomery being it. We talked about with Kyle Long last week possibly coming back. They have offensive line issues in Chicago, so I agree with Jamie. That's a great point. If you expect him to do anything more than he did last year, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect it by much. And apparently more than that, as uh, Paige hasn't checked the Slack channel yet, but uh, but our good friend Kyle Krabs has, has slacked the group saying that uh, a fan tweeted at Kyle Long saying, the Bears still need a right guard. Kyle, come back. Proven training camp you were healthy, and you are by far the top option. It's not even close. And Kyle Long quote tweeted saying, I would wait for a new staff. <laughs> wow. That was from today. Shouldn't have that much air, like, like silence on on, on a podcast, <laughs> but that literally just stunned all of us. As so, we, uh, we talked about, Kyle might be able to come back as a fullback at this point. I'm, I am speechless. I literally, if you guys could see the video, I was just mouth wide open because I was like, oh my god. the The thing about Kyle Long is that he doesn't mince his. Okay. He no. says exactly how he feels. And I'm not surprised to see him say that. I, man, that is very, very mm. interesting. They've had some offensive turnover on that staff, too. And mm-hmm. that it really leans more towards not being David Montgomery friendly. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, apparently, Kyle Long will not be playing for the Chicago Bears this season. 
uh, or probably any time in the near future. Um, but man, oh man, he uh, he he tees off on Bears fans regularly. It's it's quite honestly, it's quite entertaining. He has some interactions. Yeah, look at the replies, by the way, of, of that so tweet. If you I, want to see some of, some, some of what uh, what he is saying back to fans, what the fans are saying to him. So, if you're bored at work today. Just what I needed on a Monday morning to start my week off. Okay. All right. The next category of running backs, the intriguing category, Jamie, the first three of the four I want to talk about. And then if you guys want to check out the rest of this list, you can go to the draftnetwork.com, check out the fantasy tab. You'll see a bunch of new articles that Jamie's been writing. The the top three I want to get into because they're very close in their ADP. Running back 43, running back 45, and running back 46. And that is Daryl Henderson for the LA Rams, Alexander Madison, who we talked about last week for the Vikings, and Tony Pollard for the Dallas Cowboys. Of those three guys, Jake, I'll actually go to you first here. Of those three guys, who do you like the most? Because that is a very close margin in that ADP. I don't think Henderson's going to be the guy. Uh, So that's probably why his ADP is there. Um, I probably like Tony Pollard the most of that group, but if Zeke is 80% healthy, he's the, the guy getting a ton of carries. Now Pollard stepped in a little bit in the passing game late in the year. And we already talked about Madison. I like a lot with Dalvin cook's injury and potential holdout. I'd probably go with him. Uh, I'll go with him if, if I'm going to pick for that reason, because I don't think Pollard's role changes unless Zeke gets hurt. Uh, he's already tested positive for coronavirus. So he's going to have his quarantine and antibodies. He'll be good to go. He's not missing any time for that. I think, uh, Dalvin Cook's injury history and this holdout situation makes Madison the most valuable of those three. Anderson didn't show me anything last year, and yeah, they drafted him pretty high, but I like Akers, the kid they took from Florida State. I think he's going to be the starter. Yeah, and, and the way I kind of – and t- to be fair, I wrote this portion before uh, the Dalvin Cook holdout news, so obviously I imagine Madison's ADP is going to start jumping from there. But the way I looked at this intriguing group was essentially the, the high-end handcuffs. Um, but – to me, obviously now I think Madison's got to be the pick because of Cook's injury history, because of him maybe holding out. But I think if we were pretending that didn't exist, uh, Tony Pollard, to me, from a if, – if all of these guys in this category, and there's one name we're not discussing here that you'll have to see on there, became the starter tomorrow, who would you rather have? And I think as Jay kind of alluded to it, it's Tony Pollard and, and his upside. Um, you know, I, I'm, these guys are all really interesting to me. Henderson is interesting only because I want to see how much workload he gets, but I do, I do agree with Jake. I think Cam Akers is the guy there. Um, at best, Henderson's in a timeshare, uh, and I didn't see a ton from him last year. Uh, this is kind of the uh, the cautionary tale of some rookie hype as we look back of the, all of the Daryl Henderson and Darwin Thompson hype from a year ago. Um, to understand that sometimes it doesn't always work out the way everybody likes to think it will. Uh, but to me, Madison's got to be the is somebody you're targeting regardless because when I – as we broke down on the show and as you can read in, in the article on the draftnetwork.com – about what his value would be with Cook is out. I was surprised to find that even in the games Cook played, Madison got twenty, basically almost 25% of the total rushing attempts um, in those games. So when Cook and Madison were both on the, both active in those games. So uh, that's incredibly interesting because I think that is going to be something that not only continues, but as Jake alluded to on our show last week, probably will continue just to see if you can keep Cook healthy a little bit longer and do it. You know, last year they basically had to rest him late in the year because of injuries and other things going into the postseason. Want to see if they kind of give him a little bit of the, you know, maybe the Todd Gurley-ish treatment of let's kind of make sure we're not putting too much on his plate early in the season because we're going to need him in December and January 
let's kind of let's mix in a little bit because we do have some confidence in Madison and Mike Boone and some of the other guys on the team. So he'd be the guy of this group I like the most. But if all of them were to become starters tomorrow, Tony Pollard would be the guy for me. Yeah, for sure. And if it's third and one, fourth and one, I think Madison's going to get a lot of those early in the year. They're going to save that pounding on Cook. He did have a shoulder injury last you know last year that that really limited what he was able to do the last couple games he played. Uh, I can see that being part of the workload. And some of that could be goal line. Uh, you know, and teams will tell you what they're going to do or what they're thinking without actually telling you what they're thinking. They had Henderson for an entire year and they drafted acres high. Yeah. That tells you all you need to know right there without putting it in big block letters going across the sports center ticker. That's how they feel. So, I mean, it, it, minimum, it's going to be a work, you know, a, a work share load, but I think acres is going to be the guy over him. And, and to that point, Jake, when you talk about teams telling you what they're doing, the Rams did this last year with Todd Gurley. They, they matched an offer sheet on Malcolm Brown. They drafted Daryl Henderson fairly high. Look what happened to Todd Gurley a year later. Now, a lot of that was because of injury history, but the injury plays into why he's no longer there and why that right. contract, he didn't live up to that. So th- we have seen this pattern of the Rams making these decisions that th- they're not just doing this in a vacuum. They didn't just take Cam Akers because they felt like it. He's going to have a major role in this team. And honestly, I think he's going to be – even if he. Uh, Starter is is I'm putting that in air quotes now gets changed a lot because sometimes guys start the game on they they want to start with a certain package whatnot but I, I think Acres is going to be the guy getting the majority of the carries there more by mid season at the latest for the Rams. All right, guys, if you want to check out the remainder of those lists, as I said, you can go to the draftnetwork.com and check that out. We're going to talk about a couple of sophomore tight ends that you may want to draft. Listen, these were these were tight ends that people were excited about last year. Uh, we warned you a little bit to to, to overdraft them. Um, I still saw many of my in my Chicago league, my friends who attended the University of Iowa. They overdrafted these two guys uh, uh, in a lot of cases, right? To two very good Iowa tight ends in Noah Fan and T.J. Hawkinson. Jamie, you have tight end. It's ADP tight end 12 and tight end 13, right? Back to back as far as it reminds me of the overall draft, right? Because there was a lot of people that went back and forth going into last last year going, not from a fantasy perspective, but strictly from a draft going, which guy would you like more, right? So now it's funny to see this coming into this year from a fantasy perspective of, okay, these two guys in two different offenses and the Lions and the Broncos offense who do you like more? Uh, they're very close there. So who do you like more? I would take Hawkinson. Um, look, the, the thing with – and I, I've been spewing my praise for the Denver Broncos for a year and a half now. <laughs> but you also – we have to have to step back for a second and be reasonable with what we expect from this offense. So what? unless you have Drew Locke throwing for 5,000 yards and 35 touchdowns this year, somebody of Sutton, Judy, Hamler, Fant, Melvin Gordon out of the backfield. Somebody has to have a downish year. Somebody can't. Not all. All of these players can't all perform at this this top level. I like Noah Fan, and I like some of the games that where he spiked last year. But he really only had one good game with Drew Lock. And I know there was not many opportunities there, but I, I think there's been this skew that all of a sudden Drew Lock came in, and then Noah Fant was put up all these numbers. Yeah, he had that big four for one thirteen in a touchdown game in Week fourteen. But he didn't do much otherwise in that stretch. I don't have an issue with him going around tight end 12 because, I mean, as as you'll see, the difference between like tight end 7 and tight end 17 is so minuscule now. But to me, it's all about value. And to me, if I can wait three extra rounds on ADP right now and get Jack Doyle and get Dallas Goddard, get Eric Ebron, I don't see a reason to expect those, those players' numbers to be significantly lower, if not better, 
uh, than what Noah Fant's going to bring to you. Hawkinson was interesting because he was taken as the tight end 13 last year and is going as a tight end 13 again this year. Uh, I want to see him with a healthy Matthew Stafford and now coming in year two. Uh, obviously, everybody freaked out last year and was trying to tell everybody how right they were to draft the tight end because of that huge game he had to, in his debut and then kind of did nothing after that. Uh, I'm intrigued by him. I think he's worth the upside play, especially where he's going outside of the tight end one range. But the reality is, is you really shouldn't be paying up for any of these guys because there's this is a there's real just glut in the in the back end of this tight end group where you're probably better off streaming and playing the matchups uh, on a lot of these guys and saying, you know what, I'm not I'm going to wait three extra rounds, like I said, for both these guys to get Doyle and Goddard and Ebron. And there's, there's just a lot of players that are serviceable that you can get a lot later. Bottom line, if you're going to overpay for an Iowa tight end, it's George Kittle. So yes. like, you could end the conversation with tight ends from Iowa that you're going to overpay for. That's it. Uh, give me Hawkinson. It all comes down to the quarterback he's playing with. Detroit's defense sucks. They don't run the ball. Stafford's still a beast. I'm not worried about the back injury. He, like Jamie said, he played through it. Uh, by all accounts, he's healthy. And they're not going to be winning a lot of games. They're going to be throwing it. And Hawkinson fits as like a Keith Miller-ish, but doesn't block as well. He's going to be out on the field a ton. They have other weapons. Yes, Denver has weapons, but they're rookies. And if you look at the experience on Denver and that offense and what they want to do and a head coach collective of the message he's sending to the team, it's run the ball. You're loaded at running back with veterans. You are loaded at receiver of talent, but they're all young, including Fant and the quarterback. I can see it being okay week to week, but if I'm picking between the two, Hawkinson all day long, just by the offense he plays in, the quarterback he plays with. Yeah, there's a lot of mouths to feed, as Jamie said in Denver. Uh, and and as excited as a lot of people are about Drew Locke, it's, it's a lot of unknown there. Well, small sample size of what we saw last year, plays in a really tough division with some really good teams. I think you temper the expectations there on exactly. And most importantly, what Jake, what Jake's point was is Vic Fangio is going to run the football. Like that's, that's what they're going to want to do. And I think that Hawkinson with, with Stafford, I know there's some apprehension because of his injury, but I think he's going to be fully healthy going into this season. And you have a lot more trust in that offense specifically because of that quarterback. That's it. No, no offense. The, the worst tight end in the division. Yes. Like he, I'm, I'm putting him four yeah. in the division of the teams that he's playing against. Although I, not that he's the worst tight end, but like fantasy value wise, I mean, I mean, yeah, everybody else in the division is better. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 also a very very good point. Uh, so if you guys want to check out the rest of that article, as I said, uh, Jamie's got some good stuff on the DraftNetwork.com. Final thoughts here as we've reached the end of the podcast, Jake. I'll let you go first. The more we start talking about fantasy, the more I start going back to last year. And I got in this value, value, value thing. I, I think it's it's just, it's vitally important to not be a Homer fan and take all of your favorite players. If you care about your fantasy season, if you just want to take your players and root for them and whatever else, fine. But if you're a chiefs fan, and you want to draft Patrick Mahomes in the first round, you're not winning your league. Sorry. Hate to tell you that, but it, it's not happening. Uh, like value is going to be there. And I think this year, maybe more than ever. Yeah, and uh, my final thought is that uh, I need somebody to explain to Lamar Jackson who Robert Edwards is and then never go do whatever the hell he did this weekend ever again. Oh, Thank you dude, very much. Goodbye. If you don't know Robert Edwards' story, go look it up, man. It's freaking heartbreaking. Yeah. That, that rookie year and then shred your knee at the Pro Bowl and a yeah, stupid thing in the sand. Yeah. yeah. Go, yeah. go look yeah. up that story. It's, it is heartbreaking. Yeah, that that is. I love a high certain. school football coach in Georgia now, by the way. 
Oh, all right. A little, little shout out to him now and what he's doing. My my final thoughts here are just just check out everything Jamie's writing. He's preparing you very well for the upcoming fantasy season. Uh, definitely want you guys uh, checking out what's going on. And uh, on a on a more serious note, please just take COVID seriously. Just continue to wear your masks and social distance. And please, we all just want sports back. So just like just just be nice. Just, just, I understand you're young. Trust me. I'm not worried about myself individually as much. It's not about you. Have some empathy. Just understand that like, if you want life to go back to normal, there are simple things you can do on a day in and day out basis. And it's really not asking all that much. So that's my final thoughts on today's podcast. Jamie, how can everybody follow you? So they make sure that they're staying up on all the content you're writing. You should follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, J A I M E. And Jake. Jake B. Arians on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. And obviously uh, you can see all my tweets that it will inevitably happen today about Kyle Long and his shot at the Chicago Bears staff because that is inevitably what I will be doing for the rest of the afternoon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.